Christy Brower, and I'm your host tonight. You might seem like there's only one of us, and there was only one of us last week, too. Uh, Katie and I switched places. She's not feeling very well, and she's been covering for me a lot lately, as we know. So I am here by myself tonight for case updates. But I'm excited to be here at Welcome Cranky and Barbara. I see you're already here in the chat. And welcome to everybody else who's listening. And I'm sure I'll get back to chat welcomes uh, later on as well. So you guys know that I took a trip to the Oregon coast last week, and that's why I wasn't here is because I was on vacation. And yes, I was. It was wonderful. I had such a good time. So recharging, you know, to go to the water. But I did bring a little show and tell. This is, you can see it, this is a paperweight, basically, or a crystal ball that uh, I made at this glass blowing studio in uh, Lincoln City. They have this really cool experience where you can go and pay to make an item and they will um, assist you in making it. So I made this uh, paperweight that looks, um, I think I chose the colors because they kind of reminded me of like the ocean and the shore. And uh, then I picked the swirl pattern too. And then I made the swirl pattern when we made it. So that was so much fun. I forget sometimes how good it feels just to create something, you know, it was really cool. Oh, welcome, Amy, Walla, RJ, Fran. Nice to have you all here. We have a lot to talk about tonight. And I will say that most of it is the Daybell Vallow case. Holy canary. Some things are happening. Big, some big things are happening. First of all, Lori had a status conference hearing today at 9.30 this morning. Nobody knew about it until it had happened. One of those sneaky little uh, closed door deals. But in looking at what I have found, I'm pretty sure we're looking at a Lori going back to the hospital. The other reason that is seems likely right now is that her attorneys have been rapidly filing some things on her behalf. They want to continue the trial, which means to pause it for now, uh, to toll time limits. Now, this is really important because there are all kinds of time frames and time limits that happen around having a trial like this. And one of them is that you cannot... You have to leave um, a minimum of 90 days prior to the start of a trial if there's going to be uh, a hospitalization or a mental health kind of situation. So this actually was released on the 30th of September. This was filed with the courts to continue the trial. The trial. So hold off on it is what that means. To toll the time limits and to stay the case which means no more action can be taken on the case right now. Now, you probably know, if you've been following the Daybell Ballo case as we have, is that um, 
this has happened before. But uh, these attorneys seem to have major concerns about her mental health. It's been mentioned several times recently, um, including why everything is so private. We don't get to, you know, see what's going on in a lot of these hearings. Um, of course, the reason for all of this is redacted, so we don't get to see it. But in this status conference that was this morning, there is a mention of the Department of Health and Welfare. Well, that's who takes custody of Lori if she is found to be incompetent and needs to go into a hospital. The Department of Health and Welfare actually takes legal custody of her from the uh, jail. So several reasons why I think probably that's what we're seeing is Lori going back into the hospital. It's been a fear everybody's had. Um, and here's the other thing that's going on. So in the midst of all this happening with Lori, uh, John Pryor's uh, fingers have been a buzzing. He has filed several things on behalf of Chad that are all about severing the case. He's trying to sever the case again. And he's trying to push the case, the trial back till the end of Jan or till the end of the year 2023. Again, trying to separate himself as much as he can from Lori. And, you know, he may have had some kinds of head up, heads up or something to know this because last time he filed all this stuff, it was right after that, that um, Lori was released from the hospital and the judge denied all of his requests to separate the, the cases and, you know, to change the trial dates and stuff, because he said this was not going to, you know, I think that the judge knew she was coming out of the hospital, so it wasn't an issue. Well, now she's going back in and she's going back in in October. This trial is set to start in January. It's not good. It's not good at all. So we will be seeing, um, there are some hearings next week, which uh, Katie and I are actually going to try to attend in person if we can. Um, but there's, uh, Lori Hellis is going to be heard by the court in her request for, to unseal documents. We're going to try to go to that. And then there's also uh, another hearing where Pryor will be presenting his case around the reason, you know, the why he wants severance and why he wants uh, to move the trial back. He's also asked, so you know that they were indicted by a grand jury. And we found out that there were actually two grand jury, um, two grand juries that were um, held in, in relation to this case. One of them, all of the murder charges came out of. The other one, nothing has come out of that we know of. And so he is requesting the full transcript of the other uh, grand jury. We don't even know what that grand jury was about, what it convened for exactly. But we've never seen anything come out of that. But he's trying to get those records. I don't know if he's, I don't know if he can have them or not. Um, but he's trying to get them. So there's a lot going on here and there is more and more 
movement on the parts of both parties, really, to separate things even more. Um, and this, you know, you can kind of see why on at least, I don't know, from Chad's standpoint, you know, he has sat in jail for more than two years now. Not that I have any empathy for that. I don't. But that legally, you know, that's a becoming a hardship for him. So we shall see. Because the other thing that Pryor wants is he wants all the cameras and all of the live streams. He wants all of it public. Uh, interestingly, waited to file these requests till after the judge had ruled that there would be no cameras in the courtroom in Lori's trial. So we're just, I don't know, you guys, I think we might see some big changes coming quickly. Um, I, it is my prediction that Lori is going to go back into the hospital, that that's happening. And, you know, we'll see what goes on with Chad. I mean, if she goes back into the hospital, that gives him, um, a lot more leverage really, um, to get what he wants for Chad. Cause Pryor is going to say that, you know, this is unfair and why should he have to wait? He's fit to stand trial that kind of stuff. So we'll see. I mean, we've predicted for a long time that we think Chad is going to roll on Lori. She, the thing is, the thing you have to understand is that their trials don't have to be severed in order for him to roll on her. And they can get separate sentences, separate found guilty of different things. They don't, it, it's not like when they do this together that they get exactly the same convictions and sentences and stuff. That's not true. And they can turn on each other uh, and have the case still be joined. But I think there are a lot of questions coming out now about will it be the right move to keep this, this trial joined? If she's going back into the hospital, she was in the hospital 10 months last time. You know, we've only got three till this trial is supposed to begin. And that was one reason for filing for uh, to, to toll the times is that they only have until October 11th and to be within to not violate that 90 day window for Lori. So if they're putting her back in the hospital, it has to happen now, basically, from the time, the way the, the state law is written, the way the time frames are written. Yeah, so um, pretty interesting stuff going on, you know. This may not turn out to end up the way that we had originally thought at all. Uh, yes, Chad does want to sever so he can get his day in court. He still could, but, you know, I, I think that he wants to be as separate from her as possible because she's the one looking like the crazy one right now. I think he thinks that. Now, if anybody thinks he's sane, I got some property in Arizona for you. Um, <laughs> but will she ever be fit for trial, right? It's a good question, Cranky. Will she? Will she ever be uh, fit for trial. I'm, I'm sure that they don't think they will be set free. I'm sure they are being educated by their attorneys that, you know, if Lori's never fit for trial, she'll just live in a hospital until she can be. I mean, they, I think, I think you have five years. I have to check that for sure, but it is not 
an endless amount of time. But with her charges and what she's facing, I mean, they can just hold her in the state hospital. Yeah, I think you're right, Fran, that Chad doesn't want to see Lori or be around her. Yeah, that's been pretty clear because he's not showing up to hearings that she's showing up to. Yeah. But yeah, I, I don't think they'll be set free. No, I don't think that's it at all. Chad won't. Chad's going to trial one way or another. Lori, spend her life in a hospital? I don't know at this point. Paula says, if Lori wants the trial severed, I think Boyce would do it in a heartbeat. He has agreed with everything she has asked for. He has, which is funny. But I think it's mostly because she now has adequate representation where they're asking for legitimate and reasonable things as compared to the crap that Mark Means was always doing. But yeah, I mean, definitely these um, Lori's attorneys have... Um, you know, they really know what they're doing on a different level than Pryor. Uh, Katie and I were talking about some of the things, some of the briefs that Pryor's written re recently, and we think he may have finally hired um, uh, a, a legal secretary or something because his stuff makes more sense. <laughs> it's a little better than it's been. Um, so I don't know. And you're right, Janet. There's no way either of them are going to see the free world again. They're not, but... The wheels of justice are slow, and in this case, they have been especially slow, and this is all just about to slow it down again. So there's a lot of questions, you know, to be answered. <laughs> yes, Donna, if Idaho, Idaho can get a cannibal ready for trial, um, Lori should be a piece of cake. <laughs> right? Right? Um, the thing is, well, he had a lot more mental health history and mental health treatment history. Lori doesn't have any, well, until other than her first day in the hospital. So I think with um, with uh, David Russell, in, he was the cannibal guy in northern Idaho, uh, there was a lot more already established about his mental health. And with Lori, they were starting from scratch. Janet says, there's no way Chad can afford all of these legal fees. So will uh, Pryor just take possession of his house as payment? Well, he already has. He already has. The deed's in Pryor's name. Um, but yeah, you know, I've been talking to a few people that live around here recently, and some of them have indicated to me that Chad still has followers. There are still people that have stuck with him, and we do question whether he's getting some financial assistance with his legal fees. Which, that is such a horrible thought to me, that there are people out there that are legitimately supporting him and helping to pay for his legal fees and still supportive of him after everything that's happened. It's a, that's a terrifying thought. Yeah, Paula says, Arizona should go ahead and try her for Charles' murder. That could be finished before this even goes to trial, Right. But they'll have the same problem because she can't participate in her own defense. And, you know, the last couple times we've seen her in court, she does not look good at all. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Yeah, love him even though he buried his kids in his yeah backyard. Yeah, he's gross and awful, but... 
it wouldn't surprise me. I got to tell you, living here, it wouldn't be, wouldn't surprise me at all that there are still people that listen to him and follow him. Uh, right. And who would want the house? Okay. Camille, right. We've been having this discussion, Katie and I lately, because the housing market is absolutely insane right now in, in our area and houses are hard to come by. And so when that house goes up on the market, um, as it likely will, we've heard that Emma and her husband are moving out or have already moved out and they're going to put that house up. You know, the only thing worse than somebody buying it from out of the area and not knowing what house it is, is somebody buying it because they do know what house it is. You know, like that murderabilia creepy stuff that someone would want to own this house where those kids were buried, if not murdered, and, and where Tammy was murdered. And I mean, it's terrible. But it is a big question because somebody will buy it. Somebody will. The thing is, there are a lot of people coming from out of the area here. So will they buy it not knowing what house it is? That's very possible. Our um, people moving to southeastern Idaho from lots of other western states, um, California and Arizona particularly, is, is astronomical right now. So you could, you could come into this area and not know that, not know the story behind that house. So we'll see. Yeah. But yeah, I, I wouldn't want to be within 10 feet of that house ever. Yeah, legally, I legally I think they have to disclose if a murder occurred there. Yeah, but see, no one's been convicted yet. So I don't know. I would think, I would hope that a realtor would have enough ethics to disclose it. But yeah. No. There's not enough sage in the world. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So the next few weeks are going to be very interesting. I think a lot of things are going to change. I think uh, we're going to see some, the direction of all of this go a little bit different. And maybe we will see a Chad trial without Lori. I don't know. Uh, Fran says, I wouldn't be surprised if Pryor does indigent, mo in indigent motion and stays on his second chair. Right. And I've wondered all along if that would happen. Um, if Chad gets declared indigent, then he, uh, has to have a death penalty certified, um, first chair attorney. Right, but could Pryor then stay on his second chair and be paid by the state instead of by Chad? Yeah, he, right. He does have to have other cases and things, but I mean, he's hung in there for this long. So I don't know, but there's got to be a deal of some kind going on there. To think that that Chad's been able to afford everything that they've done already. And, and I mean, the trial is the big expense, right? <laughs> We're a long ways from that. Yeah. Yeah, I know in a lot of places you have to disclose if the death happened on the property. I don't know what Idaho's rules are exactly, um, but expect us to be behind the times. <laughs> Pretty much assume so, yeah. Yeah, right. Means did stay on Lori's case briefly. <laughs> uh, yeah, so it's possible that Pryor could do that. They could do that, but they, yeah, they'd have to prove he's indigent and 
then we'd see a big slowdown because they'd have to bring in a new first chair attorney who doesn't know anything about this case. So I don't know, man. Uh, Charles was afraid of Lori when he said her religious beliefs are over the top. She was talking end of times before Chad. Oh yeah, she definitely was. She definitely was. She had told the friends that she thinks sometimes she thinks about, um, driving her car off a cliff with her children because this world is just so terrible. And I, there, there were a lot of red flags beforehand, but she got away with a lot of crap before this all went down. <laughs> Janet says, I think I'll have grandchildren by the time I see Lori convicted. I'm 33, right? It does feel that way right now. It feels very like it's going to take us forever to get to the point of this finally being resolved. And we just may not have a choice in that matter, you know, the way things are going here. But boy, uh, it's really given all of us a pretty good education on the legal system, I think. I know it has me. I've learned a lot of things I didn't know. And, you know, other, other murder cases take this kind of time, too. It's just we're watching this one so closely. We're more aware of it and, and more frustrated by it. Let's talk about some of the other things that are going on right now. In the Kristen Smart uh, murder case, uh, the jury is now deliberating. Um, the the two men charged with her murder, and well, and you know, assistance. It's it's um, Paul Flores and his dad Ruben. Uh, because they say that Reuben helped helped Paul to uh, hide Kristen's body, which unfortunately we still don't have, which is really unfortunate. Uh, but the, their trial is over, and the jury is deliberating now. And it's going to be really interesting to see where this goes, because this is a no-body first-degree murder case. Not... Oh, yeah, deliberating on Paul, not Reuben yet. You're right. Um, but, yeah, Reuben's charged with assisting. It's really weird to me that they're charging him with assisting with, like, um, disposing of a body when they don't have a body. <laughs> it's weird. This whole thing's weird. So um, we'll see. Yeah, Kristen Smart took 26 years, right? These things take forever. It's very frustrating. Yeah. Yeah. I, I suspect that the jury's going to come back pretty quick in this case, but stranger things have happened. So we'll see. Yeah. They do have a lot of forensic evidence. There's, they do have a lot. I mean, they wouldn't have gotten this far uh, with the Kristen Smart case if, if they didn't, but I just really wish for her family that there could be a body, you know, so that they can have some closure, at least to be able to bring her home and put her to rest. Let's talk about uh, Debbie Collier. So Debbie, we have not actually covered Debbie Collier. I had been planning to cover this case um, in the next, this week or next. And obviously I didn't do it this week, so I'll probably do it next. But um, Debbie Collier had been, had gone missing and was found dead on September 11th. You um, 
let's see, oh, in Georgia, in the Chattahoochee Oconee National Forest. If I said it wrong, I'm sorry. Um, there's just some confusing things that are implicating some family. Um, her mom sent a, texted a message. So Amanda Bearden is the daughter of Debbie Collier. And Debbie sent her a message. The message said, they're not going to let me go. Love you. There is a key to the house in the blue flower pot by the door. And then she also sent her daughter $2,385 on Venmo. This is all while she was missing. Um, one concern is that Amanda's boyfriend, uh, Andrew Begrich, owed some money in probation fines. And the amount that Debbie Venmoed was very similar to the amount that Andrew owes in fines. So that is really concerning um, that this may be related to her daughter or her daughter's boyfriend. So we're going to just kind of keep an eye on this situation and we'll talk about it some more next week. But I did want you to know that um, that's kind of where we're at with it right now. So that's not good because it's, it is seeming to indicate family. Okay. Okay, sorry. Getting distracted by the chat. Okay. Oh, my goodness. Let's talk about, and this is another uh, case we haven't covered fully, and we will, um, but I wanted to give you an update because there is one. This is the family of four who have been kidnapped. So mom, dad, older child, and baby. They were kidnapped from their business. So they had just purchased a trucking company. And the police now have in custody one of their people of interest in this case, Jesus Salgado. Um, he attempted suicide. Uh, this is in Merced, California. Um, and then the police got a hold of him. Uh, he is still living and they do have him now and they've been able to connect him back to um, an ATM image they have of somebody using one of the Sings debit cards. So there actually is footage of them being kidnapped from their business. Um, it shows uh, Jasdeep and Amandeep Singh. Leaving the, leaving the business and their hands are bound with zip ties. Um, and then they see uh, someone carrying their baby. So pretty scary, but they do actually have some film of the kidnappers. Um, on Monday, the Singh's car was found on fire. So somebody took it and lit it up.
uh, let's see. So <laughs> Salgado, Jesus Salgado's family, they reported him to the police when he told them that he had been involved in that kidnapping. And probably the reason they did that is because in 2005, he um, committed a home invasion. It was a robbery with a gun, witness intimidation, and attempted false imprisonment. So I imagine his family was pretty scared because he's done something kind of like this before. He went to prison until 2015. So he was in prison 10 years for that. So we're going to keep an eye, of course, on this case, and I want to cover it more in depth as well. It's just, gosh, so many, so many things, um, so many things happening right now. It's hard to stay up on all of them. Right? Yeah, he does sound like a real winner, huh, Janet? I'm happy that um, his family turned him in. That is the right thing to do, you know? Because although we have this guy, we don't have that family. We don't know where they are. That is really, really scary. Yes, and the, yes, Linda, there's not a lot on um, Debbie Collier as far as cause of death right now. And there's there's a lot more coming out in that situation, but one to keep a close eye on. But that um, the uh, information that they've got is it's a little concerning. You know, it does sort of seem to point toward maybe some involvement from daughter or daughter's boyfriend. Let's see. Okay. Oh, yes. The um, potential serial killer in Stockton, which we covered earlier this week, already has some updates. When, when we covered this case, we said that there were five victims. Well, now there are seven. And the first shooting happened back in April of 2021. And what we predicted would be um, ballistics is what's connecting them, is in fact what's connecting them. Um, all of these people were shot by the same weapon, the same uh, handgun. So there was a man killed in, in April of 2021, then and in the Stockton area. Then um, just a few, few days after that, a woman was shot in Oakland by that gun. And she survived and got away. So they have at least somewhat of a witness now. Um, and then the other five that, that we talked about the other day. So they're making some progress here. It's still, you know, it, they, have, they do have some surveillance video. And this, per this person does have kind of an odd gait. They stand up really, really straight, almost straight like someone who's had a back fusion straight. And also he walks with a limp, he or she, they walk with a limp. So they showed a part of the video to show how this person walks in hopes that someone might recognize them. But, you know, I think that there's good progress being made here, but we still don't know why or who. Um, the police are sort of starting to say now that this person is on some kind of crusade, but what, what crusade is it? Like, what's his purpose here? None of it makes very much sense. It does appear that the other two victims were shot in the middle of the night when they were alone. 
in the dark, just like all the others. So, and with the same gun. But as far as motivation goes, we don't know yet. But they are making some pretty good progress in this situation. So hopefully we'll soon have this person in custody so that there doesn't have to be a risk of anybody else losing their life to this person. Oh, let me read to you a little bit of what the, the woman who survived this person, what she said, because it was really interesting. So she was uh, living in a tent at the time. She was 46. Uh, it was about 3.20 in the morning, and she heard somebody walking around outside her tent. Uh, she said when, oh, when she came out of her tent, she just encountered somebody holding a gun. So the suspect fired at her multiple times and wounded her, but she tried to challenge the, the gunman. She, uh, like, started advancing toward them, and that's when the shooter lowered their gun and took off, like, any kind of um, altercation they were not going to be able to tolerate. She also said that the shooter said nothing, literally just shot at her in total silence, never said a word, which um, that's scary and very strange. What if any connections besides gun? The gun are the only connections so far. They are not finding any connections between the victims. They don't appear to have known each other or had any connection with one another. Now, is it possible they had some kind of connection with the shooter? Maybe, but we don't know that yet. But we do know that they were all shot by the same gun, which is, I mean, that's pretty cut and dried, frankly. So we're going to keep an eye on that case as well and just continue to update you. I mean, there's, there's a lot happening right now. A lot, so many things are going to change in the Dave Vallo case, I think. And then there's just a lot of other stuff coming up that we're, we're going to see some resolution in several different situations, I think, and hopefully some movement forward in others. So that's what we want, right? We just want justice for people. We just want people to be safe. That's that's the most important thing. So as per usual, I usually get through this quicker by myself. <laughs> so that's everything that I have for you tonight. We did not do a Wednesday episode because Katie's not feeling well and that didn't work out. So we're a little short on shows this week, but we will be back next week with all of our usual stuff. Um, also, we will, for those of you who are subscribers here on YouTube or on uh, Patreon, we will have the Psychic Hour tomorrow night at 7 p.m. Mountain. And we'll just see what happens here, you guys. <laughs> we'll be keeping a close eye on uh, the Google, that's for sure. I just want to say thank you for being here. As always, thank you for joining us, for participating, for being a part of our squad. And as always, don't forget, if you see something, say something. All we need to do as people in, in this world trying to slow the crime down is speak up when we see something. We, that is the thing that we can do, right? Well, you know it. We are the True Crime Squad. Thanks for being here. Thank <music> you.